Good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore, and I'm so excited that you are here with us tonight. I tell you what, I believe that God is doing some amazing things, and he's calling his body to order. He's calling us into alignment, and that means our body, soul, and spirit must line up with his spirit so that he can get the glory as he manifests himself through our lives individually and corporately. You know, we can walk together as one because each of us are able and responsible to walk alone on our own two feet. And so we bless you in the name of Jesus. We welcome you uh, to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call, also called the Relationship Game Changers Call. And uh, I tell you, all of us are in relationships, and all of us need kingdom principles to manage and negotiate in relationships to God's glory and the benefit of all of those in the relationship, including ourselves. And so we want to thank you tonight. If this is your first time joining us, the format for the call is uh, basically we do some announcements at the beginning, and then we have prayer, then I do some teaching, then we will pray the word spoken. And so we appreciate you again. Thank you so much for taking your time. Uh, It's just amazing. We've been doing this. uh, July 1st will be two years that we have been doing this every single Wednesday. Two years we have not missed a Wednesday being on the call, and we believe it is a divine assignment for us to be here and to grow, develop, and declare his word in relationships, that is, kingdom in relationships. And so that's what we are committed to doing. A couple of announcements. As you know, we are going from state to state to declare kingdom marriage because marriage is the apex of human relationships. And so what uh, we believe God is having us to do is to go and uh, we are declaring kingdom principles uh, and decreeing kingdom marriage in each state. We are seeding the ground because when we put seeds in the ground, there's always an expectation that something's going to come up. And we also know that what goes down does not look like what comes up. And so we are planting the word of God. And so in July, July 11th, we will be in Colorado. July 25th, we will be in Merlin, Washington, and D.C. And we are picking up momentum. Appreciate all of you who have reached out and indicated some interest uh, and being a part of what's coming up or in the future. We appreciate you so much. We can't do it without you. God can make us a 100 times more than we are. He just needs a few faithful people that are unrelenting, that are tenacious, that won't turn back, that won't retreat, but will keep advancing in his name. And so we thank you for being a part of that, for being a relationship game changer. We need relationship game changers more than ever in this hour. And so I just want to thank you again being a relationship game changer. If you haven't already, please, and you're on social media, like the Facebook page, Relationship Game Changers. We are unrolling, unraveling, unpacking things, and working behind the scenes to make this page and the opportunities available for those of us that are relationship game changers that want to grow in the skills and the knowledge of being relationship game changers. So we can all grow and change, and it's best when 
we do that together in a safe place with safe people, that God can get the glory in Jesus' name. And so we encourage you to like the Facebook page, Relationship Game Changer. Share the page. Comment on the page um, as a relationship game changer. We appreciate you. Um, Amy, did I, I get everything? Or Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yep. Okay. You did. Just one other thing. Um, we do have two coaching spots left, and um, I'm just going to take a moment and just say, um, I know I assist Kim, but I have also coached with Kim, and I just wanted to share a moment. If you are debating on coaching, I would tell you my experience with, with coaching. Um, I had been to counseling before, but what I got to, for coaching, I was uh, going, I went to see Kim when John and I, my husband, were having just breakdowns over finances, really. And the feeling I had was just, mis- I felt so misunderstood, so misunderstood and defeated would probably be the word, just misunderstood and defeated and hopeless in, in trying to just connect and, and, and feel connected to John when it came to finances. I felt like I kept trying to, like, maybe meet our budget and measure up and all these different details, and I just kept thinking that I was going to have to come up with this plan, and, and I just felt defeated, really, hopeless. And after going to coaching, and in my mind, I, I thought, okay, Kim's going to say I need to change this, this, and this. I, I, I felt like I was set up thinking I already knew what was coming. <laughs> and what came at me was completely <laughs> different. Within three sessions, I, I was thinking I was going to have to do all this, um, I don't know, put a plan in order for, for this to work, that I needed to change things. And really after coaching, I went from feeling powerless to feeling free, to feeling just freedom because I realized where instead of having to come up with a plan, <laughs> can help me see where I was bound. Like I was, I was tied to others' perceptions and, and to what was coming at me from John and what was, I was spitting back out at him and really just realizing, going through coaching and realizing, oh, okay, I had some things going on that I needed to be set free from. And once that happened, oh, my goodness, John and I have a great relationship when it comes to finances now. Um, when we have breakdowns, we each know where we're standing and we're able to talk about it. And it's less about, um, it's not directed at our person. You know, we're able to come up with solutions and all that came from coaching. So that's, (laughs) I just wanted to say that. So anyone who's considering coaching, we have a couple more, more spots. And I just wanted to add my part in um, what coaching did for me. And I know Lynn shared last week, and she just was amazing sharing. So thank you for that. If you didn't hear her testimony, you need to listen to last week's call because it was amazing. And that's it. That's it. Wow. Well, praise God. I didn't pay her to say that. Uh, Actually, um, there's no paid staff, if I can say it that way, that work with us. It's all volunteer. And so – 
that was genuine from Amy. And so I appreciate that. What she didn't tell you, didn't tell them that your financial picture has begun to change as a result of coaching. Is that true or not true? Because you didn't say that. Oh, she must have jumped off already. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm sorry. I tried to mute. Absolutely. Okay. Um, totally. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yes, my finances did change. I mean, um, oh, my goodness, a turnaround for sure. And and growing and, and changing, yes, absolutely. It did. Mm-hmm. It affected my So credit my score improved? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I, it did. And I didn't have to change who I was. I'm a big picture person, not a detail <laughs> person. And just and in John, my husband, oh my gosh, he's such a saver. He's amazing with saving. And if you had to put us on a scale, I'd be the spender, and he'd be the saver. And <laughs> we actually work work together. And I appreciate him, and he appreciates me. It really was amazing to be set free, like to have the freedom to still be myself. And for John to be himself and just realize the areas I needed to work on, but it was, it really, oh my gosh, just going to coaching, really the things that I thought were issues weren't the issues. Like I had it wrong. So, you know, just as we're getting in, in, in line and learning what God would have us do, even as we're listening to this call and, you know, for some people, coaching really is something that's needful and helpful because if you're stuck somewhere like I was, I was stuck and I thought I had the solution, but I, I didn't. I mean, coaching really helped me quickly realize where I was stuck and um, helped me make progress and feel free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really for me, mm-hmm. it was the, the feeling um, I felt stuck and just powerless. I think it was the powerlessness, like feeling like I didn't move forward. And then um, realizing, oh, wait a minute, I can move forward, and I am free. <laughs> so that's what it was for me. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so guys, get jump in. There are two left. I tell you what, uh, we've started with some other folks this week, and I've got some texts, and, and just um, it's just amazing what happens. Um, one of the goals of, of uh, it, it's just it's just amazing. That's all I can say to you. And as I like to say, God is the coach. He's the counselor. I facilitate his presence and so that we can move forward and God can accomplish his agenda in your life. And sometimes it's not the things you think you need to fix and you need to do all this work. It's amazing what freedom does to a person. Uh, things just fall into place in many ways. And so we encourage you. Thank you again, Amy. Um, really appreciate that. Let's get into tonight. Let me pray and let's start. Father, in Jesus' name, let me back up. Amy didn't give her phone number. If you're interested in coaching, you can text Amy at 678-754-0867. Don't wait too late. Um, Six seven eight seven five four zero eight six seven, and we'll give you that number at the end of the call. Well, Father, we just thank you right now for your presence. 
We thank you that you're a wonderful counselor. You're a God. You're the Prince of Peace. God, you have talons like an eagle, God. And Lord, you have the eyes of an eagle, Father God. So I thank you and I praise you that you can search out a matter, God, so quickly, Father God. Lord, I just praise you and I thank you that you brought us here tonight, Lord, to learn from you. You said if any who are you know, heavy laden and tired, that we should come to you and learn from you because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so tonight, Father, I pray that the truth of your word would lighten the burden of your people, that they might even, Lord, just gain new strength and ability, Father God, to run with you, to walk with you, to fly with you, to be with you, Father God. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I heard something today that I've often said, um, but I heard it again today, and it was on a prayer call this morning. It was by Quincy Star, and he said, prayer is receiving. And I would just, and what I have said is that the Christian life, the whole Christian life is about receiving and living out of what you receive. Many of us have not learned how to receive because we're more comfortable with giving, and therefore we live and try to live out of our giving, but you understand we only have a finite supply when we are our own supply. And so the Bible says that we love because we first receive love. And so it is a mind shift. What I have not received, I cannot give. And if I do try to give what I have not received, there is no commitment on God's part to produce fruit from it. And two, it leads to discouragement and recurring. It's like being on a treadmill. You're doing all the right things. You're saying all the right things, but you haven't received. And so I say in another way, we try to deliver what we have not digested. It's amazing to me that the fruits of the Spirit require their fruits, which means they are in seed form when they're given to you, and two, they must be cultivated in you, and they must be metabolized by your system in order for it to become flesh in you and exude or ooze from you. OMG, if we spend as much time receiving the Word of God, and receiving love, receiving self-control, receiving freedom. My God, what could we accomplish? But that's not even what I want to talk to you about. What I wanted to talk to you about was, remember last week I shared with you an epiphany I had, I, that I said to you that I had been identifying with John. I like John, the Apostle John. You know, his love, he's the beloved, he was deep. He's concerned about the inner workings of the spirit and, and really the heart matters. And he spoke a lot about love. He spoke all the time about love. And I just thought that was so amazing that he just, always always seemed to bring it back to love. And I really like that about John. He didn't seem to be an offensive apostle, but always there, always present, always taking it in, always receiving. But he just seemed to be kind of a likable disciple to me. And I wanted to be likable, and I like John for that reason. And as you asked me, he was my favorite, uh, favorite disciple, this favorite apostle. So I have to tell you that when the Holy Spirit said to me um, and made it clear to me that Simon Peter is who he wanted me to begin to identify with, his life and how God worked through him and that relationship, I was like, seriously, Lord? Seriously, Lord? Say it ain't so. 
Say, say it ain't so because I didn't like Peter. I did not like Simon Peter. I thought he was obnoxious, arrogant, and self-righteous. And I'm thinking, you want, God, is that what you're thinking? I'm obnoxious, arrogant, and self-righteous? I, like a know-it-all? And, you know, there, there's points in my life. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, I can see all of those things. Thank God he's delivered me from many of those things and, and hopefully continues um, that finished work and that that finished work would manifest in my life as I take this this journey uh, into humanity. But, you know, I, for those reasons, I didn't like Peter. I thought he was brash. I thought he was harsh. Um, and last week I gave you, or a couple weeks ago, I gave you scripture rep- references to support his arrogance, his obnoxiousness, his, you know, just self-righteousness and, and just his insecurity, um, saying things and then, and then not being able to live up to what he said or not being able to follow through with his words. And so to identify with Simon Peter, God made it clear to me, you will have to begin to embrace my, my, my that is my humanity at an entirely new level. And I think I've said to you before, so many Christians, and I'm seeing this across denominations, but so many Christians are human beings trying to live a spiritual life. And what that means is they dismiss, they ignore, they discount, or they repress their humanity, and they live quoting scripture. They live behind the scripture. They hide behind the scripture. Or they hide behind the gifts and callings that God has given them. But remember, the gifts and calling, the anointing is what God gives us. They're gifts. Our character, our humanity is what we give God. And so I don't believe that God has asked us to be to, to be human beings living a spiritual life. We can't. If we could have lived the spiritual life, Jesus would have been unnecessary. In fact, six times before Jesus, God tried to work it out through man, and each time they failed. Six covenants before the new covenant. And each of those covenants were an attempt to work out this thing through the humanity of man. And so then Jesus came, and he came as a spiritual being. He was conceived by the Spirit in Mary's womb, so he came in spiritual form, and then he was wrapped in humanity. So Jesus was a spirit and had the divine nature in him, but he came to live a human life. That is very different than than what many of us live. We are called. We have been recreated in God's image. We are spiritual beings, and now God is asking us to live and surrender our human life to him. And that's where most of us have trouble, and that's one of the reasons I believe that Jesus and the Holy Spirit put Simon Peter's humanity on display before us. More than any other apostle, more than any other disciple, we see the full range of humanity in Peter. I'm thinking when he picked up his sword and, like, sliced the guy's ear off, I mean, the lobe of his ear off. I mean, Peter was impulsive. He did some stuff. Peter was not always a nice guy, but it was his humanity. And you know what? Jesus loved Peter. If Jesus had a best friend, it would be Peter. It would be Simon Peter because Peter is the name Jesus gave Simon. Simon's name in Hebrew means listen, hearing, that he is a listener. 
And I believe that Jesus knew that about Simon, that despite everything, one of his redeeming qualities was that he was a listener. And so if he had a bestie in Scripture uh, in, in his time on earth, I believe Simon Peter would be Jesus' bestie. See, with your bestie, you'll tell them the truth. You will tell them about themselves. You will still love them coming and going. But you will tell them the truth about themselves, and you'll still love them and hug them afterwards. Jesus did that in Matthew 16, 22, and 23. Jesus rebukes Peter. He rebukes his friend for listening to the devil. So Peter, a listener, this time used his gift to listen to the devil, and Peter calls him on it. And yet and still, Jesus continues to embrace Peter. So tonight I want to share another example, an exchange that took place between Jesus and his best friend. Let me just say this again, and I'm just pausing here because it's coming to me. You and I are spiritual beings. We were born again. Our spirit was born again. And now, having been born again, we as kingdom citizens and as God's own people and his beloved children after the first son who is Jesus, we are being asked to live a human life as spiritual beings, which means that the whole of your human life must come into the room if it is going to be affected, impacted, and influenced by the Spirit of God. And what doesn't come in the room cannot be healed. What does not come into the room, it's like, it's like um, one of your parents, uh, uh, it's like a parent calling a, a family meeting and, and you show up but you leave, you know, let's just say you drink or smoke. You leave your cigarettes, you leave your drink outside because you don't want your parent to see that that's what you do. And oftentimes your parents already know that. Jesus knows everything. God knows, the Father knows everything about you. He knows the thoughts that will appeal to you even before you accept them. He knows lying down and standing up. So when we try to withhold ourselves from the maker, from our maker, and we attempt to live a spiritual life, it is an affront to God. God, Simon's name was Simon. That was his humanity. Peter was his God-given name, and that represented the deity or God acting upon his humanity. Oh, my God, you are 100% human and you are 100% spirit. God told me one time, Kim, if you will be 100% human and let me be 100% spirit, we can get some things done in the earth. But if you're going to try to be me, if you're going to try to be the spirit, as opposed to allow the spirit to influence and impact your humanity, we're going to run into problems. And so many Christians today are running into problems because they think that, denying, the Bible says, um, he who would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. And we take that to mean that I've just got to deny my flesh. I've got to deny my flesh. I mean, what you resist persists. Some of you, including me in different areas, we've been in the fight with our flesh over the same thing for years. I know it's true because if you're married, You've been fighting about the same thing in the year three that you're fighting about in year 15. 
Why? Because you're not fighting about a hundred things. You're three, two or three things core to your humanity that God wants to transform, and the only way he can do it is if it comes into relationship and Oftentimes, we feel shame and guilt, so we won't bring those aspects of of us into relationship by ourselves, but when you're married, guess what? You get a lot of help bringing those unredeemed parts into relationship. Just wait a while. So So you're arguing about the same thing on a different day. And, and, and every time you get you go down and pray and go in your prayer closet, you come, come up out of your prayer closet, some of you run right back into your flesh and start the battle all over again. Why? Because you're not free. And what Amy said tonight is this isn't about planning. I'm not saying budgets aren't important. I'm not saying planning is important. But if you aren't free, what's the plan? You become a slave to the plan. You need your freedom to be able to interact and take part in the life of God. So the exchange I want to show you, Peter was, Simon Peter was his best friend. He was a disciple. I said last week he was a disciple that was every time the list of disciples were mentioned by Jesus or another in the Gospels, Simon Peter's name was almost always first. And when something is the most always first, it says something. It tells you about the relationship, the importance, the significance, because we talk about what matters to us and what's important to us. So it's not, we shouldn't lose, be lost on the fact that Simon Peter's name, Simon Peter's name was mentioned first nearly every time all of the disciples were listed. And as I said, Simon Peter's humanity was on display because I believe that God, that Jesus was teaching Peter how to be human and not hide. That's why we needed to see the best and worst of Peter because it's all the same to Jesus. Our our goodness is this filthy rag to Jesus. One time Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good. So there's nothing good in us save Jesus Christ. Everything else is a gift or a problem. And so the example I want to share with you is in Matthew 14, 22 through 32, and it's where Jesus walked on the water. That account is also given in Mark 6, 40, 45 through 51. But Mark 6, 45 through 51, it leaves out the detail concerning Simon Peter. I'm not sure why, it just does. But it is the, is the account. Um, maybe Mark just left it out. Maybe this is a different occurrence. Um, there are a lot of similarities to suggest they're the same. I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, but I want to go to Matthew 14 through 20, uh, 22 through 32, and let me just read it. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted. What was after this? This was the disciples had just taken a part in the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with the three loaves and two fishes. I think it was three loaves or five loaves and two fishes. I can't remember what exactly the number is. But they had just taken part in the miracle and collected the leftover of the bread, 12 baskets of bread. So they just not only saw a miracle, they took part in a miracle. 
So not only did they see Jesus, they were working together with Jesus to perform a miracle. And so Jesus says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake. Now, that I can identify with because a lot of Jesus' conversations with Peter were by water. And those of you that know anything about me, lake, ocean, beach, water, stream, waterfall, it all just blesses me, one of the most amazing parts of God's creation to me. So I was like, okay, God, I can do this because Peter was always around the water. He lived on the water. He was a fisherman. He had a boat, all of those things. Okay, God, I can, I can do that. I can, I can relate to Peter. We got this. <laughs> so it says the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. So the disciples were going to the other side of the lake. The people were going home. And then it says in verse 23, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. And he went up to pray. Part of the reason he was on, remember, if you read a few little bit verses back, I believe John was just beheaded. John was just beheaded because um, he called out Herodus for committing adultery. And so John was put into prison because he spoke the truth. And I just want to pause there for a moment because we're in an hour now where we are required to speak the truth, and there will be consequences. This Pollyanna Christianity, Mickey Mouse, Playland McDonald Christianity, it is not going to cut the mustard in this hour. We're in defining times. And each of us are being defined by the words that come from our mouth, the decisions that we make, how we show up on social media, how we participate in the life of Christ, or not, is going to become extremely apparent. It is no longer good enough just to say you're a Christian. We're in a time where the rubber meets the road. We're in a time where the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is distinguishing. It's distinguishing the thoughts, uh, the soul and the spirit. It is separating the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it's distinguishing the thoughts from the motives. In other words, God now is distinguishing, Holy Spirit is distinguishing what you think from why you think it. Oh, I could go off on a tangent here and just share an exchange Amy and I had today, but I'm, I'm going to stay on point because I'm going to get a text by um, Amy in a few minutes to say, don't, don't digress. But, but I will say you're in a time. You have to pay attention to your own heart. The Bible says guard your heart with all diligence. That doesn't mean turn your back to your heart. That means watch what's coming out of your heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man. And so Christians, we are being called to pay attention, not even so much what's coming at us, but what is coming from us, because that distinguishes us as true disciples or not. Jumping back here. So meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. A strong wind had risen, 
and they were fighting heavy waves. And Marcus says that Jesus saw them straining with the oars. Remember, they didn't have a motorboat. This was manual. So they were rowing. And Jesus saw them struggling against the wind and against the waves to move the boat. And so about 3 in the morning, verse 25 says, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to them, called to him. Then Peter, Simon Peter, now all the disciples were in the boat. But here's Peter. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water. Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat and went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you, why do you doubt me? Did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. So let me unpack that a little bit for for us tonight, and then we'll pray. First, remember, they had just taken part in a miracle. They just saw Jesus perform a miracle, and Jesus let them participate in the miracle. They were touching the bread that was multiplied to feed the thousands that were there. So it wasn't, they weren't just observers. They were interacting with deity right then. And then Jesus needed time alone. I told you that John the Baptist was just beheaded. And, you know, John the Baptist was Jesus' forerunner. I mean, he was the one telling everybody, hey, look, he's coming. He's he's coming. You need to repent. So Jesus had an affinity for John the Baptist. Why? He was his forerunner. He He was making the way for Jesus to come. So that there was an internal connection that Jesus, Jesus had with John, John the Baptist. So my guess is he needed time to mourn and to grieve. And then Jesus saw the disciples, and then Jesus sent the disciples to the other side of the lake. You know, it's like when we're sent on an assignment. And then Jesus saw the disciples struggling to row. And I want to tell you, many of us, In relationships, you know, we'll get a word from God or God will have us to do something. And we start out to do it with all earnestness, with all of our intentions, so sincere. But then opposition comes. Uh, You know, it could be a child. You know, you're praying for your child. You're just believing God for the best, and then they just come and curse you out for no reason. And it just kind of just deflates. It just hurts you to your heart. Or it could be a spouse. You know, you you take all these plans. I think I've shared with you the story before. And quickly, I'll share it with you because it's a real story. But, you know, I I remember when I was married, my my ex-husband and I had an argument. And, and, and the argument was I wanted to talk to him about something. I prayed about talking to him. I prayed how to him. I prayed what time, how to do it to minimize because it was a difficult conversation, yet a necessary conversation. 
And so I prayed about it, and so we started talking about it, and it went the total opposite direction. It downward spiraled to a full fledged argument. He slams the door and goes out of the house, and now I, I fall on the bed, and I'm like, God, what am I? What am I going to do? What do I do, God? How do I? What, what, how do I fix this? You know, what can I do to, to, to bring this back together? How can I contribute differently? And I'll never forget, the Lord said to me, make him his favorite meal. And I'm just like, first of all, I'm hurt too, and yet God is asking me to make his favorite meal. Well, fortunately, the few things that I've cooked very well were things that I learned that he liked. And so I cooked his favorite meal at the time, which is, barbecue chicken in the crock pot and cabbage and potatoes. And so I text him and I said, you know, honey, I, I made some um, barbecue chicken and cabbage and potatoes in the hot pot, uh, in the, in the crock pot. And so when you get home, it'll be hot and it's all ready. And I, you know, I had, I had moved on because I wanted healing. I wanted us to be back on the same page. And I remember his response to me was like, I didn't ask you to, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't even know what time I'm going to come home. Quite frankly, I don't even think I'm hungry. Um, I said, okay, well, I'll just put it, you know, put it, you know, leave it here or put it up for you. So you can do whatever you want. I didn't even ask you to make it. Well, that just like floored me. So I ran back in my bedroom, went on my bed and cried crocodile tears like a little girl again. And I'm like, God, God, what happened? You told me to do this. And he said to me, just as quietly, who asked you to make a meal? I said, you did, Lord. And he said to me, I'll never forget, he said, and I am so well pleased with you. He never eats a piece of that meal. You did it for me, and I'm pleased with you. And that needs to be enough for you. Because you don't know how that meal could impact him weeks from now. You did it for me. And it was just like my tears dry. But the point that I'm making here is you do things and you, and you believe you're, and sometimes you are responding based on what God told you to do. And you're believing it's going to have great outcomes. And just the opposite happens. God sees you struggling. He sees you struggling to stay in it. He sees you struggling to believe him, whether it's a parent, whether it's a, a pastor, whether it's a boss. He sees you rowing. He sees you struggling. And so Jesus, when he saw the disciples struggling, he walked on the water and went toward them. And I believe he comes to us, but even more than coming to us, I believe even different that he's never left us. The disciples, the spirit had not been given. And so Jesus was limited by time and place and space. And so he had to literally go to them. But you and I, the spirit is in us and abides with us and will never leave us nor forsake us. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God is with us in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the opposition. And the Bible says when they saw Jesus, they were all afraid. They were terrified. They were so terrified that one version says they screamed. So what do you do when you're afraid? Let me just pause here for a second because I really think that we need to deal with fear differently than we have dealt with it. You know, when I see Jesus interact with the humanity of, of, of Peter, of Simon, so many times when, G, when Peter saw the deity of God, when, G, when Peter saw, I 
not Jesus, but the deity in in Jesus. The Bible records that he was terrified. When he saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was terrified. When he when he when Jesus looked him in his eyes after he failed, the he was just he was afraid. He was embarrassed. He wept bitterly. He was afraid, and somehow, uh, listen, fear. We have to have a different response because fear is um, it, it, it's a, unfortunately it's an aspect of humanity. It is, it is it's part of being human in this life. I say it like this. We will all dance. It's a matter of lighting and music. We will all dance, but for the grace of God. And so that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, Face It With Love, The Guide to Conquering Fear. I've said to you many times on the phone, my Bible says that perfect love casts out fear because fear is associated with punishment or retribution. And when I see Jesus interact with the humanity of Peter, he doesn't say get over it. He, he doesn't say you just need to get a grip, you just need to have faith, you just need to just believe me. He just says don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Hey, Peter, I'm here. Here, love cast out fear, and I believe in those moments that when we become afraid, we need love. We need love. Fear is a demand for love because love cast out fear, and love motivates, it energizes faith. So I believe as we get down to the end where where Jesus said to him, why did you doubt me? To me, that is such a, um, a loving question. It's almost like, Peter, you know I love you. Simon, how, this, we've been at this two years now. Don't you not know that I love you? And so when we think about it, I really believe, and particularly in this fear-mongering time, you know, it won't be enough just to confess Scripture. You and I will have to be willing to get in the room, face it, until the mountain moves. We have to be able to get in the room with the thing that we're afraid of. That's why our relationships are jacked. That's why what's happening in this country between the races, much of the behavior is motivated by fear on both sides. Oh, my gosh, we could do a whole night on fear. But you need to pick up the book, Face It With Love. It's on Amazon. I encourage you to read it. Every significant figure in the Bible had to face fear, get in the room with fear in order to fulfill their destiny so that you and I can think that the gifts of God alone without our humanity and dealing with the things that we're afraid of, ashamed of, or feel guilty about are going to bring us into our destiny, Peter's life betrays that thinking. Peter's life says that's not so. And so when Jesus saw him, he said, don't be afraid, it's me. 
And Jesus identified, so what did Jesus do? He identified himself, and then he told him not to be afraid. So watch this. Fear is a request for How do I know? Well, what did, Pete, what did Simon Peter say? He said, he, Simon asked Jesus, he, he asked Jesus to verify himself. This is how he said it. Let me read it to you how he said it. In verse 28, then Peter called, called to him. See, they still weren't in the same location. Peter was in the boat. Jesus was on the water. Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, in other words, identify yourself. Prove to me that it's really you. I'm requesting ID. It's like fear stops you and it asks you for ID. It would be like getting stopped by the police, and the first thing they ask you for is your identification. Fear, ask for your identification. And when your confession betrays or hides insecurity, fear knows it. And so your confessions just fall to the ground because Inside of you lacks the, the substance of what you're saying out of your mouth because you and I don't allow God to deal with our fear or our humanity in that situation. So Peter said to them, if it's really you, Lord, I'm requesting ID. I'm afraid, so I need proof that you are who you say you are, and you can give it to me by telling me to come to you on the water. And Jesus' answer was simple. He understood what fear, what Peter was asking. He understood the human heart. He understood that Peter was weak. He understood the humanity of Peter. He understood and received the humility. You know, human, human and humility start with the same H-U-M, hum, which is dirt. So humanity or humility is coming back to the dirt and bringing ourselves to Christ. So Jesus says, come. And then Peter went over the side of the boat. Why? Because Jesus identified himself, and upon identification, Peter was able to take the risk and act on it. So my question to you, but in that, Peter asked for verification of who Jesus was. But Peter also saw something in his, in, he was afraid, but he also saw something in the fear, in the midst of the fear, he saw something that he had not seen was possible before. Tucked in your fear is a miracle. Tucked in your fear is a revelation. What? Did Peter see? He saw Jesus defying gravity. And if Jesus could defy gravity, maybe I can too. So when you become afraid, first of all, it's a demand for love. It's a request for identification. It's a request for community. It's a request but it's also an opportunity to see something you never saw before. Amy testified of that. She said, I thought I was going to have to do a button and all these different things. But when she saw 
something that for her represented freedom, she had never seen it or never saw it before. She never saw that what one person was calling careless was actually not careless. It was careful. So how we can have different spins or perceptions on the same thing. So you're, the thing that confronts you, whatever you're afraid of, it has information for you because Satan, oh, God, he always tries to hijack what God has for you. The thing that you're afraid of stands between you and your destiny. Every time, you've got to get the book, Moses, Esther, Job. Even Jesus had to confront fear. He just never succumbed to it. So fear, there is a revelation that God wants to give you if you'll get in the room with fear. Oh, my gosh. Let me move on. So when you're afraid, there's something new that is possible that you didn't know before. What is it? And then Simon Peter asked him to grant authority to come, and we know that when we're afraid, when you're afraid, what you need is authority. What you need when you're afraid is power. So what does Jesus say? I'm not, uh, what does Paul say? God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In other words, when you're afraid, you need authority, you need, uh, you need love, and you need a sound mind. You need to keep your wits about yourself. I need to keep my wits about ourselves. If there's ever time we need to keep our composure, it's when we become afraid. And the grace of God is available, and he releases the grace of God, not when we're talking about it, but when we're in the room of fear, that is when the grace of God is dispensed to you to stay in the moment and to keep your wits about yourself. Jesus said it this way, when you go before a council, take no thought for what you'll say. For in the time of need, I will give you what to say. You don't need to know what to say to fear till you're in that moment. So what is it? What's possible? What's new? What does God want to show you? What is tucked in that thing that you're afraid of, that you've been avoiding, that you've been resisting, that you've been attacking? We should attack fear. We should only thing I'm suggesting to you, you won't win against fear in your mind. You won't win against fear because you, you, you've listed a set of scriptures that you now can quote. You will defeat and overcome fear when you, on the inside, when you on the inside have received sufficient love of God that grants you the boldness and the courage to stand in the midst of it and say, no, not today, or yes, this is going to happen in Jesus' name. I have a friend that has defied death six times through cancer. Just saw her a couple days ago. She said to me this, not today. Her husband said to me, not today. Six times she looked death in the face. She said, nope, not today. She's still here. Ten years ago, the doctors gave her 14 months to live. If there's ever a woman that I knew that got in the room with fear, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, 
And she said to me the last time, you know what? I'm not afraid. And I believe she's winning because she's not afraid, not because she avoided it. We talked about being afraid in our course of her journey. But because she got in the room with it, we could talk about it. God could deliver her from it. You cannot be delivered from what you're not willing to admit. Simon Peter asked for authority to come. When you're afraid, you need power. You need authority. You need love. And you need a sound mind to keep your wits about you. Because fear is designed to destabilize you, to get you to act irrationally, to get you to react. And those are the moments, and right now more than ever, we need relationship game changers full of the love of God, full of the authority that was in Jesus Christ that he gives with us and shares with, gives us and shares with us, and we need a sound mind. You show me someone that's full of the love of God, the authority of God, and can keep them their wits about themselves. Another way to say that is self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, which must grow in us, comes to us in seed form. It's our responsibility to participate in cultivating it and growing it in our hearts. Peter started walking, walking on the water, but when he saw the opposition, the waves, and, the, and felt the wind, began to sink. I believe part of what happened, not only did he see see the waves and feel the wind, the opposition, but I also believe that he had a flashback of rowing against the very same thing and feeling defeated. When you fight against the waves and the wind and you find you're only a few feet from shore and hours have passed, how quick it is to have an image of something that happened in your past and it just rocks you. And so he began to sing, and he cried out for Jesus. He began to sing. So when the opposition comes, when you when God told you to do something, say something, show up, speak up, or be quiet, and the opposition comes, do you fold? Do you remember what happened the last time you spoke up and somebody shut you up and so you don't speak up anymore? Or do you, do you hear the opposition? What, what is it that you do? We all have to learn our responses to things that we're afraid of. Because when you're a child, you don't deliberate about fear and how you're going to respond. No, you just respond. I've said in the beginning, the Christian life is, a, is, a, is, a, is about receiving. It is a response to what we have received. And when you're a child, you are a wet sponge. You receive and you respond out of that. But a five-year-old child who becomes afraid of something, they don't have the words to articulate that per se. Or someone that's sexual, they don't necessarily have words at that age to, to articulate, but their body has a response. Their mind has a response. And they will live out of what they have received and form responses. And so they, now they're an adult, and they're still responding like they were a child. I know I need to bring this to a close. Let me just say one last, last thing. Let me say, let's see. Simon started walking on the water, but when he saw the waves, imagine what happened. But Jesus intervened and grabbed his friend and challenged him. And he said, why are you doubting me? Why are you doubting me? That's what Jesus said. He said, oh, you have little faith. But he was in a relationship. Why are you doubting me, Peter? We've been together two years. 
You've seen me done miracles. You've ca- I've, I've, I've given you authority to cast out devils. You've, t- you've taken part in miracles. You've seen the deity in me before. Why do you doubt me, Peter? Oh, Peter, I would that you would believe and trust me and love me. That's what I heard Jesus saying to his friend. That's what I hear him say, not, not scolding him for being afraid. But why do you doubt me? And that's why I hear God saying to us, he is not put off by the things that, you, the, the things that show up that you're afraid of. You could say all day you're not afraid. I heard Mike Tyson say one time, everybody's got a game plan until they get punched, until they get hit. So, I believe, and let me just say, this is the other thing, one thing, and I'll just pray after this that I had wanted to say. Many of the things that you and I fear um, are things that are rooted in our past. And that root has become uh, strong and, and waxed and I would say to you how God does does that. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have to take you back to your past. But what he does is the Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which means the only faith you have is right now in this moment. You don't have faith for your past because it's over. You don't have faith for your future because it hasn't come. The only place God can work with you and use your faith because he requires faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the only place that your faith works is now. And so he has to, if he wants to, if he is going to heal you of something, he needs your faith and he needs all that he wants to heal you of to show up in the now. So what he allows to happen is your past to, to come into your present. You will know your past is in your present when present is in your present when you were acting like you did before you got saved. You'll know that your past is not your past. It's right here, right now, because that is the only place you have faith to do anything about it. So if you're married or if you're in covenant relationships or your job, any relationship that has significance, there is opportunity for your past to be triggered, not because God's trying to destroy you or hurt you. He wants to heal you, and the only place he can heal you is now. So that's what coaching does. It brings all of you into now so that the love of God, the word of God, and the authority of God can come to that situation and you can experience healing. You can experience reformation, which is a change in thinking. You can experience restoration, which is a healing. And you can, you can experience reconciliation, which is a putting back together the way you were originally made before the foundation of the world. Oh, my gosh. If we would just consider Peter, he was 100% human and 100% spirit, and so are you and I. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for just unpacking Peter 
for allowing us to see his humanity, for allowing us to see that you, you love our humanity. That's why your father made us. He made us. He created us to be spiritual beings in his image and in your image. But he made us human beings. Oh, God, let us grab that thought. You created us to be spiritual beings, but you made us to be human beings. And, Father, we that are born again are now again in your image. And now, Father God, you're remaking us as human beings as we live this life and learn how to live as human beings after the order of Jesus Christ, our King. So, Father, help your people. Lord, help your people, God. Make your word clear and concise. Lord, break it down. As your people go back and read these words and meditate on them, Lord, help them to see and sense your love for their humanity, that you're not put off, God, by their shame or their guilt, that your desire is that they would come to you. You said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, you would come in and fellowship with them. Father, we have just solely attributed that to salvation. But I believe it is a call to take a deeper dive in you and in ourselves, God. I believe that you're asking for permission to go deeper in us, to reconcile those parts of our humanity that are fragmented, God that are undermining and compromising our ability, Lord, to walk in the authority and power that Jesus did on the earth, God. I thank you, God, that love is what performs a miracle, God. Lord, I pray, Father God, that, Lord, Christianity, the Christian life, is about receiving, God, and living out of what we have received. May your people receive the engrafted word tonight, God. Explain it to them. Lord, break it down to them in the language of their own understanding, God, that they might be receiving the word on good ground, God, and that this would bring forth fruit and that fruit would remain, God, that some would bring forth, Lord, a hundredfold, fiftyfold, thirtyfold, whatever it is, God, that this word would not go out void, but it would accomplish what you set it out to accomplish and it would prosper into the souls and the people that you have sent it today, God. I declare your word is true. Let every man be a liar, God. I declare, Father God, as we embrace our humanity, God, that we give you the freedom to act, Lord, that your deity can act upon our humanity and glorify yourself, even through our humanity, God. You said that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, in our humanity, God, so that the glory of God can be put on display, God, because through our humanity, God. And so, Lord, we just thank you, Lord. And I just call all parts, Lord, every part of your people, Lord, that have been fragmented and set aside, God, and, 
and that they've been too ashamed or embarrassed to admit, God. I call your people, all of their parts in this room, God, in Jesus' name, all of their willing and choosing parts, we lay on your altar tonight, God, and we say, have your way with us. Do what seems good to us, for surely, God, you have called us to be relationship game changers, God. You have called us, God, to receive your love, God, to possess our whole lives, God. Lord, to show up and meet the moment and to respond, Lord, out of composure, Lord, not to react, but to act intentionally, God, that we might influence the outcomes, God, and feel the power and authority that you have given to us, God, even as we take up your assignment for us, God that we may know freedom for freedom's sake tonight, God. We release it, God, in Jesus' name, and we release the grace of God in Jesus' name. Now I speak peace to your people, God. I speak peace to their hearts right now, God. I speak peace to their mind, their souls, and their body, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that the blood of Jesus, Lord, would be in them through them, God. That even now, God, you would glorify yourself in them and that they will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the testimony of Jesus Christ in them, alive in them, Lord. And, Lord, because they love you more than they love themselves. Now, Lord, return us to our first love that we might learn how to receive in Jesus' name. And I pray for the one, God, that has difficulty receiving from people, God. I pray in the name of Jesus against the spirit of pride. That's an arrogance and pride and idolatry, Father God. Lord, I just bring down that stronghold in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I declare humility, humility, release the humility that was in Christ. So now let it be ours. For you said, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in us, that we might be, Lord, as he is and as he was in the earth through your Holy Spirit. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Oh, my gosh. I just sense the love of God on this phone. I, 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 I just I feel the love of God. And let me say this. There's no way God can give you five senses and use none of them to convey his love to you. You're supposed to feel the love of God. doesn't make you weak. You're supposed to hear the love of God. You're supposed to see the love of God. You're supposed to taste the love of God. Oh, my God. God created us for himself, for his pleasure, and the senses that he's given you are for his pleasure so that he can communicate to you. There's a difference and being available for him to communicate through your senses. Listen, Satan's the same way. See, spirit beings need bodies. Why? Because God gave the earth to human beings, and so it is illegal for the spirit of God or for Satan to operate in you, in, in the earth, without a human body. The difference is Jesus asks permission, Satan steals you. And so I bless you. I encourage you. I pray in the name of Jesus for your freedom tonight. I pray. And those of you that are on the fence about coaching, I tell you, we're going to bring you the testimonies. Why? Because it is God anointed. He does the work. We've just made ourselves available to labor with him in Jesus' name. And if that's you, 
You just text Amy at 678-754-0867. One other thing, there's a difference between coaching and counseling. I am a licensed counselor through the Georgia Association of Christian Counselors. I prefer coaching because as a counselor, I am limited in how I help you, what I can say. If you've ever been coached, if you've ever been on a sports team, a coach is not passive. A coach is active. They are looking at your performance. They're looking at your technique. They are listening to you, and they are advising you. They are instructing you because you have expressed a goal to the coach, and the coach joins in with that goal, and now his or her responsibility is to aid you in getting you to that goal, and that requires guiding and directing. And as a counselor, I am, I, I am much more limited um, to do that. And so we coach. We coach. I also don't believe that you need 29 sessions to get free. And so that is the approach, three sessions to a breakthrough, three sessions to a breakthrough. And so, again, if that's you, reach out to Amy, 678-754-0867. Let me give you the replay for the number of the call. I'm really surprised, guys, because usually Amy is texting me, and she has been quiet these last two weeks. I'm like beside myself. <laughs> Let me give you the replay number here. It is um, – Six zero five four seven five four nine eight zero. The access code is three four one zero 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 pound, and the reference code is one zero six pound. As always, we ask you if you haven't, if you're on social media. Please like the Facebook page, Relationship Game Changers. Share the page. You can go on there, and I think there's a post about tonight's call. If you got something out of it, drop it there on the page. Listen, it's just not about you and I. Relationship Game Changers is about influencing the relationships that we're in, and one of the ways we do that is by sharing the things, the takeaways, and the things that we're learning so that other people can also hear and participate as God leads them. Amy, uh, uh, let me just let you come on, and if I missed anything or uh, – <laughs> you, you, you there? <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked because this is the second week in a row. I got no <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, right. When I was gonna say land this, you landed. <laughs> no, just okay. All right, you, you okay. got you got it all. This is so good. I just think we're all um, receiving, really receiving. And well, amen. Yeah, amen. Well, we pray you feel the love of God. Our desire is that you feel the love of God, that you know that He loves you, and that we're here to serve. Amen? All right. I guess that about does it for us. We will see you guys next week on the call. Don't forget, invite a friend to take part. Share the message with someone. And, uh, hey, meet us on Relationship Game Changers. We talk on that page daily, often within a day, often within the day. So you can find us there. We've got some great things coming up. 
For those of you that want to take the next step besides coaching, you want to take the next step and join us as members of Relationship Game Changers. We're going to be unfolding that. We've got some challenges coming up for you. I'm just excited about what God is doing, and we are advancing the kingdom in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you. We will see you on the call next week, God willing. Good night. Thank you.